Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dum De Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here. Philippa Hall, too busy for your whiny voicemails. And Quentin Rayner, if you want to steer clear of me, feel free. And there's also our flock of cauliflower sheep with carrot stick legs. You lot are Dum De Dummers. This week's amazing Midsummer Murders Dum De Dum tune is, of course, from Stephen. They just get better and better. Marie Bray, sorry for the delay. Yours will be on in two weeks' time. Um, I don't know how he uh, manages to adapt these famous tunes into the arches. It seems limitless, doesn't it? Very, very talented chap. And on this episode, we're lucky enough to hear contributions from Catherine, our Rob, Lee from Cookham, Mia, Darcy, Witherspoon, Millie Molly Mandy, Ben in Shanghai, Best Speculation, Marina and Anon of Ambridge, plus Tweet of the Week, Facebook Roundup and welcoming new members of our Facebook group, Predictions for Next Week and the Dumpty Book Dumb item, this time with author Helen Paris. Marvellous. So let's look back on the Ambridge week and what caught your eye this time, Q? Well, it, it was a week of filth, Philippa. Um, Roy thought Kate was filthy. Oliver was in a filthy mood. 
Stella wanted to get mucky with Ruth and Freddie declared everything was in hand when he was caught brainstorming with himself by his mother. And they weren't the only ones getting dirty as the gloves came off in the custody fight over Martha. One moment Alice was up for applying for a lecturing job. The next she was agreeing to her solicitor's suggestion to become a stay-at-home mum to strengthen her claim for full custody. Because it's the right thing for Martha. Hold your horses, the farrier father countered. If he went after half of Alice's money, Chris could employ someone to run the forge and he could be a stay-at-home dad. Is that the only way you're going to keep Martha? Goodness! A somewhat startled Susan replied. Up in the ideas factory, Josh was rolling his eyes at Freddie's egg-rolling proposal for Lower Lox's Easter event, but cracked when Pargeter Jr. said he'd buy them from him, so Josh offered to shoot Hen Heaven videos in return. Eggs were also on the menu for the veterans. I've brought along a cricket training treat for you and me, the secret sugar scoffer Pat confided to Clary. But when Tracy caught them out, it was turned into catching practice. Flaunting an expensive shirt, Rory continued to be shirty with Alice and to splash the cash, this time an expensive apartment in Bath as an Easter treat for Brian and Jenny Darling. But holding her ground, Alice wasn't convinced. First she quizzed him about his university grades, then she pressed him on his friend's rich parents. Marketing or finance, she inquired. Financial marketing, he blurted back. This apartment is dodgy. You go all shifty. I notice your little slip-up, so you'd better watch your step, she warned. For a fleeting moment, we thought Matt was back after Vince declared he was a pussycat to Josh and encouraged his business venture with Freddie. Vince also offered to look over his figures to expand Hollow Tree. But as Josh let a fox into the chicken house... Roy rejoiced at his own death after he won his fishy bet with Kate. Ruth and Stella swapped slurry for straw. The stink will be horrendous, Susan tutted. And who knew Vince would turn out to be a fan of Duran Duran, Wham and the specials in his recommendations for Freddy's 80s night disco. He was extremely short with me, Tracy complained to Roy when she'd approached Oliver for some extra housekeeping shifts at Great Gables. Then she wondered if her... Esteemed boss was preoccupied because he had a lady friend coming to visit him. Freddie thought it would be hilarious to make the Royal Garden Suite all romantic by scattering it with rose petals and heart-shaped chocolates on the pillow. However, the special visitor turned out to be the sharp-suited Adil Shah. He had plenty of questions about local restaurants. Les Zuzurus or Michelin star Milo's on the far side of Felbisham were Trace's tips. But was he a food critic or a potential buyer, though? Anyway, that's enough of the moaning minis for one week. <laughs> Very good question. Bless him. I think we should um, explain to people that there's something slightly different this week, isn't there? Yes, there's a, a strange apparition on my computer screen, <laughs> um, which bears a canny resemblance to you, Philippa. Can you explain? <laughs> Yes, we're trying out some different software today, aren't we, Q? So we can see each other, which, um, well, I should say Quentin's looking very smart, a button-down shirt, very smart and serious. And and I didn't know it was sort of dress-up Sunday, so I'm not quite the same. You look fine in that grotty hoodie. hoodie. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> um, it's very distracting. I mean, 
if you hear us just stop mid-flow, it's because we're just looking at each other. I mean, I've said this many times, haven't I? We've never actually physically met, so actually to... <laughs> we have seen weird. each other on the screen We've seen before. each other, but we've never actually, you know... And the way in you the say flesh, it, we, if if we stop speaking, it's because we're staring at each other. That's not in like a oh my goodness. No, it's not like uh, that. It's that just like because <laughs> it's normally just audio. It's just like it's just very Ooh. distracting. Yeah. And we've compared how we, you know, our various techniques, our different note taking. Philip has has sheaves of the stuff. <laughs> you you, uh, you shame me because I I tend to do it off off the cuff. I do have lots of paper around me, but you've got more. Never ask anyway. a control freak to do something off the cuff. No, I'm, it's, you've confirmed all my suspicions <laughs> of it, yes. But what about your week? What, what's happened? Uh, well, I've, I've been playing nursery this week, Philippa, a bit, uh, because my, my wife had to go into hospital for a day for a dental op. Uh, so she's come back feeling quite sore and painful, uh, but she's OK. Um, but um, we had to get to the hospital at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, mm. I, yeah, you're shaking your head, so were we. Her, her op wasn't until 10 in the morning so that was a that was a rude wow. a rude awakening have you got someone mowing their lawn nearby yes i've just heard it myself all windows are shut <laughs> yeah i can't do anything about that don't they no. realize anyway sorry uh, I, i'm still looking at you uh and uh, how was your week <laughs> Uh, well, we yes, we had a visit to another hospital this week, a one oh, much no. further away. But this one had no car park spaces, but a Marks and Spencer's food inside the hospital. So I was like, yes, this is my sort of hospital. I was very pleased about that. And that and that was the highlight of my. That week. was a highlight. Sorry. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, another fascinating week in Philippa's life. Yes. It's just amazing. But anyway, that's enough about us. Let's get on to the important bit, which is you are caller inners. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. And first of all, we have Catherine calling in at the midnight hour as she's up for a fight. Hi, everyone. It's Catherine here. Yep, it's the middle of the night. What is it? Half past midnight. I've been to sleep, obviously, and woken up. Anyway, I think it's been a brilliant week on the Archers. I know everyone goes, "Oh, Kerry Davis week," but I just don't get the hype over him. Um, this week has been really good, and I love it that Rory's back, and I love it that Alice, newly empowered, is playing it in, at his own game. There's a lot about the Alice storyline that's annoying me, the sort of tussle over her baby, which is ridiculous, and her terrible, terrible, oh, yeah, solicitor who sounds about 14 and has the same legal knowledge I'd know as Quentin or something terrible like that. So that's rubbish, but I love the way she's playing Rory at her own game. But what I don't get is why she doesn't bring it out into the open? Why she doesn't say in front of Brian and Jennifer, yeah, Rory, you know, are you a sex worker or whatever he's doing to afford this flashy holiday that's totally, well, flashy, it's to Bath, I mean... You know, come on, it's a few hundred quid. Anyway, the other story is I don't think, unfortunately, he's a sex worker. I think he's just simply given up his course because did you notice the way he skirt around grades? He could have easily made that up, but that was very strange. So the other thing is I have loved it with Oliver this week and the guy who's come into Grey Gables. I, I thought it was going to be revealed that he's buying the place, but I think it's just hinted that he's going to be buying the place off Oliver, which is not a surprise because Oliver... A, is bereaved and seems to have not got over that. But also, you know, he's really old to be running such a hotel. Also, Freddie, I'm sure you're all saying, but why doesn't she, rather than standing around hand-wringing, ooh, have you got the stewards and all that stuff, actually sit down and say, right, this is what you do with an event. This is 
form that you fill in, like not the day before, which it seems to be, it's all just going to go wrong and that bloody rabbit's going to come and ambush it and cause mayhem, isn't there? Something's going to go wrong. Didn't you all laugh when it said, oh yeah, I've had a call from what's-her-face, ex-wife, and she wants Martha now, she's not going to have a job. How does Chris mark this? I need some air. Can I leave Martha with you? I thought, Jesus, that's not the point. This is how family life is. You don't get time off. You just cope with stuff as you have a baby who seemed to be asleep anyway. But that was a nonsense. Bye. You know, I, I don't think Catherine gives value for money in her two minutes, do you? I mean, she did, really doesn't make enough <laughs> Very points. poor. Yes, dear, Very dear. She poor. could try harder. Um, can you try harder, please, Catherine? Yeah, more content, please. Wow, she said a lot, didn't she? Yeah, the idea of Chris running in saying, Mummy, 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 help, you know, what am I going to do now? He's he's a bit pathetic this week, wasn't he? Um, We're bound to get on to the relative strategies of both of them trying to get full custody through different means. Absolute nonsense. Anyway, let's roll back on Catherine's call. Uh, Thank you. How dare she? She impugns my legal knowledge. (laughs) I mean, really... Is that a tear I can see, though? I'm Q. QC, me, I tell you. Right. <laughs> Catherine's also slipping up. I mean, she's calling in a bit early, 12.30 in the, in the morning. It's normally 3am. So uh, come on, come on, Catherine. Up your game, up your game. Everybody uh, are big fans of Kerry Davis, uh, particularly on Dumpty Dum. He, he, writes a, he writes a cracking script, but um, she's pushing out against the hype about Kerry Davis. And, you know, a f- fair point about let's praise the other writers on, on the show. And it was Liz John's turn this week, and I thought they were very good scripts. I think it was a good week. Mm, yeah, uh, so congrats to, to Liz John and all the writers really on, on the arches. But she loved the week, didn't she? Rory's back and we got sparks flying. And, uh, you know, we'll hear in the calls this week, people taking sides. Catherine's likes the fact that she's taking on Rory. And so do I, actually. I'm glad she stood her ground and started picking, catching him out and challenging him. She can't be more remorseful, can she? So she said, look, if you don't accept my apology, I'm not changing. I'm going to play your own game and really check out what you're saying. So I, I like that aspect uh, of that because I've really gone off Rory and I'm deeply suspicious like everybody else as to what he's up to. Has he given up his course? I don't think he's doing his course, is he? Anyway, as ever, Catherine, thank you ever so much. I'm going to save my Rory theories for a bit later because, as you say, we've got quite a few calls on this, but I love the fact that Catherine saying the solicitor sounds about 14. I just want the solicitor to be quite a dynamic character, you know, like somebody out of the that TV series Suits where, you know, they look away and say, God damn it, every few seconds. I love Suits. <laughs> This just sounds like it is the solicitor's child, not the solicitor. It's really bland. And Alice saying, oh, I've got a quick question. And that seems to take three hours. Uh, I'm sure the sister's invoicing for that. But what I have to think about is the script writers and the script editors, they will know the divorce law. They're not stupid. So this must be a plot point to create issues for Alice and for Chris, you know, that surely they know what they're doing. I'm going to trust them that they're going to handle this correctly and that it's just going to end up in a big a big argument, a big explosion, and I'm there for it. Ooh, you mean actually have some drama in the arches? Ooh, yes. Ooh. It's the way that it just flits, isn't it? I mean, you've got Alice taking a call. In one episode, we've got Alice taking a call 
from her father suggesting a lecturing job. She thinks, oh, that's a good idea. And then she goes and sees her solicitor and she does a complete U-turn by the end of it saying, oh, all right, I'll stay at home and, and not work and um, become a full-time mum so I can get full custody. And equally, Chris saying, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 employ, I'll, I'll get half her money. And that's going to take ages anyway, isn't it? I'll get half her <laughs> money, employ somebody. You're not going to get it straight away, mate. How are you going to employ somebody in time to get full custody? I mean, it's bonkers. I'm not legally qualified, as Catherine has exposed, but I think <laughs> I would bring more common sense to this than these two. In fact, we haven't even met Chris's solicitor yet, have we? It's got to be someone better, surely. Uh, yeah. than, than, than the teenager who Alice has employed. Yeah, she's she? not just doing an apprenticeship. Who's actually had got some qualifications and experience? Talking of apprenticeships, where do you pluck a, an apprentice or a qualified farrier up? And there can't be many around, can there? I wondered that, but well, in Ambridge, anything's possible. So you the fairy know. will sprinkle her dust again. Exactly, but that was a great call, Catherine. A yeah, great way to you. start this week's episode off. So thank you ever so much. And now we go to Rob, who was calling on Sunday with some rather cryptic talk. Evening, Philip and Quentin and Dumpty all around the world. I'm just listening to tonight's episode and uh, Rory's back on the scene again, throwing around money like it's going out of style, like similar to where he was before. He's bought an expensive break for Brian and Jenny, a uh, service department in Bath, just off the Royal Crescent, or whatever it's called. An expensive shirt. Well, no, that was in a sale. Well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? I'm just wondering, though. I mean, I'm no expert on cryptocurrency, but I do know, as it says in all the adverts for all this sort of thing, prices can go down as well as up. And, you know, you can lose money on any kind of uh, speculation of that sort. And I was just wondering, at some point, is the bubble going to burst? Is Rory going to end up with... A, no money, or even B, a load of debts, which means he has to then turn to Brian and Jenny to see if they can bail him out, which is then going to lead to even more friction between him and Alice. Or will he then have to smooth over this kerfuffle with Alice in order to get her on side to his bailout? Let's see, shall we? Bye, all. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah, another great call from you. Really appreciate that. A lot then happened in the week with Rory. My goodness, even we had a, an EastEnders type ending with Alice driving off, leaving Rory calling her name uh, as she sped off in the car she'd allegedly serviced. Anyway, I don't know. This Rory and Alice situation, if you don't like someone, surely you avoid them. You don't poke the bear. Which side am I on? Alice or Rory? I think I'm on the side of the carpet cleaner. Poor thing. It was being pulled between them. I'm not sure. Has Rory really shown this week that he's got loads of money? Because he's going to give his parents some accommodation that a friend of his has got. So that's not costing him anything. His shirt was reduced and he ate a burger at the train station. If you've got lots of money, you don't go and eat a burger at a train station. You go somewhere nice, surely. Yeah, but he's he's been doling out, didn't he dole out expensive presents at Christmas? And there's been a lot of large. Yes, I just mean this week. I didn't see any of that. Yeah, but I suppose the suggestion is that he's 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 moving in expensive circles, mm. which um, Alice is deeply suspicious of. Um, I mean, 
Rob is asking if he's going to turn to Brian to sort out his debts, but actually Brian and Jenny don't have many liquid assets, do they? It's all tied up in houses. That's why they're in the tiny cottage that they're in at the moment. So where's how's Brian going to help him out? Mind you, there always seems to be a, a, a money tree, doesn't there, in the Aldridge family somewhere. Yes. Um, but my, my thick feeling about this is if, if Rory, I mean, Rory's smart. If he's got any sense about him, he's going to try and make his peace with Alice, isn't he? Because she's revealed this week that she's seen through him and is asking some very searching questions of him. So if he's got any sense about him, he'll start making some peace with Alice. Otherwise, she is going to blow his story wide open because she knows all about lying, doesn't she, and deceit? Well, she's got enough to deal with. I, I think she needs to just mind her own business and uh yes stay out of it and worry about all the other things she should be worrying about like she said to the solicitor oh you're scaring me when the solicitor said you know he, he chris could try and get martha surely alice would be aware of that her perception of reality is well this, i go back to what i said i mean it, she just seems to go from one position to the other doesn't she mm. but she's very uh certain when it comes to rory now she's taken a position hasn't she like right i'm not budging for this i'm not changing my ways take it or leave it and i know that you're bullshitting i think rory will start backtracking a bit otherwise it's all gonna be revealed. <laughs> oh don't do it rory don't do it <laughs> are you like you like him having you like him having a go at alice i think i'm the only person mm. on the planet but that's never stopped me before. But anyway, Rob, great call. Thank you very much. And now we go to Lee from Cookham, who's on a Sunday stroll and stepping up for Alice. Morning, P&Q and fellow Dumpty Dummers. It's Lee from Cookham here on a very wet and rainy grey day. Uh, walking the dog at half past six in the morning again. Yes, just listened to Sunday night's episode this morning. So very early in the week call again, so goodness knows what will happen by the time the podcast comes out. But I've just listened to Rory and Alice having their little reintroduction to each other as Rory's come home from university. I don't know why Alice always makes me want to call you, but I've really enjoyed her little speech to Rory about, you know, she's apologised and apologised. And, you know, I understand that Rory has no obligation to accept her apology, but he's being a real bum to her, isn't he? I mean, he really is. And I'm glad that she's standing her ground and will not be bullied out of the family while he's there. Um, she's, you know, really coming on, making amends, really making new ties with all her family members that she's hurt. And Rory's just not giving her any slack at all. So I'm glad she's going to stand her ground. So it was just a thought, really. Not No major statements today. Also, uh, Pat and Tony with this gestational diabetes. Well, they can just get in the bin, can't they? They're ridiculous. They're just driving me mad. And uh, I don't have anything to say other than, ugh, stop. Love you all. Great show. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Was that a woman proving that the to make you sick? <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Spitting out Pat and Tony's name and their gestational diabetes. Oh, blimey, people done our phone in early. 6.30, this one, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, on, on a Sunday, very keen. Thank you, thank you, Lee, and uh, delighted that you feel prompted to phone in. Oh, Alice gets you going. Um, do phone in about anybody else as well. Uh, she is clearly on uh, Team Alice's side and uh, glad she's she's standing her ground. Uh, what more could she do? She has apologised uh, infinitum and she uh, has, has been 
just battered away. Um, talking of Alice's excessive apologising, I noticed this uh, on Facebook from Pam Delay. Uh, she said, Alice's apologies to Rory remind me of Carrie apologising to Natasha in Sex and the City. Completely different context, I know, but the apology itself and persistent craving for forgiveness is more about Alice's and Carrie's narcissistic mm. personalities than any genuine contrition or empathy. Alice's apologies feel entirely self-serving, her obsession with repairing her own karma by any means necessary. It's all about Alice clearing her conscience. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, Pam. Mm. It's like she can't get her head around the fact it's been thrown back in her face, can she? And there's an assumption that if I apologise, then everything's all right and, and anyone should accept my apology. And I think she's now coming to terms with the fact that in Rory's case, it's not working. Well, and there, again, I'll speak about this later, but there are times when sorry just isn't enough. There are some things that you do that can't just be forgotten or forgiven by saying the word sorry. But, I mean, Lee has picked up on these sort of odd things that are happening. There were some very odd things this week. How does Alice leave a phone message? How slow? She sounded half dead in it. Yes, Dad. I think the job sounds interesting. That's no. When I leave a phone message, I'm fairly like right, and I don't meander yeah, I around really, yeah, yeah, <laughs> really slowly. Then we had Kathy sending a text, Oliver sending an email. Had the BBC decided that they couldn't afford to have lots of people on this episode, so they're all going to communicate through email, voicemail, and text message it was I just thought it was strange and the voicemail from Alice I didn't know if they'd written something else and they just thought well we can't actually put that in something's happened we can't put that in so I know let's have a voicemail from Alice repeating stuff that we don't need to know and if she delivers it at the pace of a snail that'll fill up all the space uh, completely passed me by I have to I have to admit there Philippa yep um oh really you're ten well, I mean, people do communicate by email and text. Yeah, but we don't often have that in the arches, and so much well, it's a way of, it. of it's a way of not using an actor, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, but no. but I thought for a minute we were going to hear from the silent Kathy. Yes, but no. Well, we heard from her, but just we didn't hear, hear her voice. We heard her no. words. She's becoming well. The Gleason twins are becoming a bit like Kathy. Constant references, but no words. Oh dear, a great call anyway. Thank you so much, Lee. And now we go to a call from Ruth, who's calling us from Montenegro with her new bestie, Stella. Hello, Dumpty Dum Land. This is Montenegro calling with the results of Tuesday's episode with Beam Me Up Scotty and God Squad Mia. Oh, hello, Stella. I was wondering how you're getting on at the bungalow. Hi, Ruth. Well, I managed to use up all the red paint. I've now got a red room down in the basement. If you'd like to come over and bring your fertiliser. A red room? Is that where we can drink me cheap bottle of Merlot? Ruth, this isn't just any room. It's an S&M room. Oh, Stella, I'm ready with me muck if you've got the spreader. And all we need now is the straw. Oh, oh Stella! <laughs> I think we suspect that that was uh, God Squad Mia and her friend Alex. 
possibly, possibly. I mean, I was, I was that convinced. I was that convinced. The um, the, the joy of of being able to see each other for the first time during this podcast is that I can actually see that. Um, Philippa blush in front of me. Well, there were some things said there that I didn't understand. I'm sure you'll explain them for, for me, Quentin. But I should say that there is a, a photo on the Instagram account of Gosgod Mia and her friend Alex making that fabulous recording. But poor Mia has returned home with a yeah. gift she didn't want. She's got COVID and is not feeling well at all. So, Gosgod Mia, we um, send you our love and, and hope you are feeling better soon i just think wherever mia goes she now ropes in friends to help her with the script so if you're due to have me arrive to your home soon you know get your vocals warmed up prepare yourself because you're going to be fully involved in uh, uh helping her with a s- script we had stella and ruth this week on brookville we also had josh I do worry what's going to happen because did Josh actually agree a price with Freddie for these eggs and for hard boiling them? He's looking to make a stack of money from this. And poor Freddie, who just does anything for what he thinks is the easy life. Um, I mean, I love Freddie because he just seems more and more like Nigel to me, which is great. But I I wish him success and it would be wonderful if he could show his mother that actually having different ideas and different things to work on open at the same time is fine and that helps creativity. I'm not sure it does, but I just wish it would. Yeah, she was a real dampener, wasn't she? I thought Elizabeth, you know, everything he came up with, she was, oh, are you sure? Oh. Then she gets Vince to go and check him over and all that. So I, I do get fed up the way she suppresses his um, enthusiasm. I mean, he's very annoying, but um, he's getting better, isn't he? Um, well, that was a filthy call, really, from uh, God's God, Mir and, and Alex. So thank you for a bit of filth. But it's been a mucky week, as we said in the um, in the roundup. Uh, and they're, what, they're swapping slurry for straw. <clears throat> and I missed it. I've listened to this uh, this week twice, um, but lots of tweets about mattresses or something. Cow mattresses, is that right? Lots of, it puzzled many people. Uh, I, I drifted. But <laughs> I think it was in reference to the straw and mattresses for cows. But it, it puzzled. It obviously went over your head as well, Philip. You, you look blank. <laughs> That's that a problem because you can see me now and I just can't blank. just... Absolute disinterest, listener. <laughs> not no disinterest. Not disinterest. It's just... Uh... Uh, look in her eyes of how long is this going on for? Anyway, I can assure you lots of people were puzzled by cow mattresses. And um, I was also puzzled by Josh having so many excess eggs that he can yes, boil them all up, paint them up mm. and roll them down a hill. And you're thinking, well, surely you've set it up that you are producing enough eggs to supply your customers with a little bit extra, right? So how's he going to supply both Unless Freddy? he's been overproducing for some time since he, he dealt with the thin eggshell situation and he's got two years worth of off eggs and he thought well how on earth am I going to get rid of these so he's going to hard boil them and pass them off as not completely old and off and uh, use them for the Easter event which is good initiative I mean remember I am a fan of Josh I'm I'm a fan of all the people people don't like I think it's a ridiculous idea because you're going to get a kid who's going to peel the shell off and start eating this rotten two-year-old egg aren't they so no no that's fanciful in your defence of Josh. Um, no, I just think it's one of those that didn't didn't really um, you know, stitch up as, as a storyline. And you don't think Vince has ulterior motives. I think he's helping the two lads with the best of intentions, don't you? I hope so. Oh, 
yes, yeah, I I thought so. I like the interaction with Vince and Josh as well mm. and just talking about a fox and I, I thought it was nice yes. to hear the two of them. I think they're quite similar, but yeah, I like that. Yes. Are you a fan of Freddie? I, I used to not Beck. I couldn't stand him. He, I just wanted to pulverise the lad. But now I, I've grown. Mm, nice. I've grown. I, I've, yeah, we asked for an honest answer. Uh, but I've grown to like him more as he's grown up. And I think prison did him a power of good, really. I mean, he's still very annoying. But uh, I did love that interaction after the explosion between him and Linda. I thought mm. he developed as a character then. And he's growing on me. I think he'll always be irritating, but you've got to have a bit of that. Indeed. Well, thank you very much, Ruth and Stella, all God Squad Mia and Alex. We'll have a lot more of your calls in a moment, including the next call, which is from Darcy. But if you'd like to record a message, here's how. Yes, the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to speakpipe.com slash dumptydum. Don't forget the T in the middle. It's dumptydum. And you'll also find a link in the show notes. Also have a look at our pinned tweet on the Dumpty Dum Twitter account to find all the details of how to leave us a message. We do need your calls in by 12 noon on a Sunday. Please keep them to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part. Back to our calls. Next, it's California Calling and why Darcy is supporting Rory. Hi, this is Darcy in Northern California. Hello, fellow Dumpty Dummers. Rory has disengaged from Alice. She no longer really exists in his life. I know from personal experience, this is totally understandable. This is Rory protecting himself. This is also completely and totally separate from whatever fill-in-the-blank Rory is up to now. I'm not going to speculate on that. That's a separate issue. Alice, on the other hand, has gone flat-out vitriolic and vindictive. And not just towards Rory, but likewise towards Chris. Alice is playing the victim card without any realistic thought of what is best for Martha. Remember, Alice doesn't even like Martha's name. I'm waiting for someone to place odds on her starting to call Martha by her middle name, Jasmine. And hey, Alice, shout out. Sorry, honey bunny. It is possible that Mummy and Daddy can't or won't buy your way out of the havoc you have just rocked. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you, Darcy. And we really cherish Darcy's calls, don't we? Yes. Philippa, because um, she's been shyly in the background, itching to come on. And this is her second call. And uh, so we're delighted to hear your calls, Darcy, because they're always really perceptive. So, Darcy, um, you are commenting on the Rory Alice dynamic from as you say personal experience and you say it's entirely understandable why Rory is responding and continues to be antagonistic towards Alice and you say it's from personal experience and I would urge everybody to if you're a member of the Dumpty Dum Facebook group to seek out uh, Darcy's post about this Um, I know there's a reference to it later on from Stephen in our social media roundup but um, it's a provoked a very interesting thread so do go and check out Darcy's thread on the Facebook group Alice you say is playing the the, the victim card and uh, has been the the issue throughout all this nobody seems to be stepping back and thinking what's best for Martha Mm. it's all about winning for both Chris and Alice it's got to have full custody because I just got to I can't let her win can't let him win Uh, 
So that's right. And yes, I had forgotten that Alice doesn't particularly like the name Martha. Hmm. And so it will be interesting to see if she adopts Jasmine, who, which, of course, that was her middle name because it was in honour of both Jazza and Jim, wasn't it? Correct, yes. Who helped with the birth. Uh, which reminded me, I mean, my, my middle name is James. And my mother <laughs> referred to me as much by James as Quentin, which makes me think really? that perhaps of the two names, that was her preference, yes. So I responded, like, call me Quentin, call me James, call me other names, but <laughs> I uh, responded to both, yeah. So, How interesting. Uh, so do you think, did she choose James and not Quentin? Was that... That I don't know. Uh, I... I think they chose the names and thought it scanned better Quentin James rather than James Quentin mm. and was a bit more unusual, I suppose. Um, yeah, Darcy talks about Alice and Alice and Chris. For me this week, I I was just hearing Alice was saying that Chris is pushing her. Chris said Alice is pushing him. Chris then said he owes this to Martha. But when Alice was talking, she says she owes it to herself. And I do feel that Alice's recovery is linked to Martha. Alice needs Martha, but does Martha need Alice as much? Uh, and the fact that Chris would contest her having Martha full time, she, she couldn't believe such a thing. She Surely Martha should be with the mother. And it's, it, it's very blinkered. I know so many people are on Team Alice, but I'm not now on Team Chris either. I'm, I'm certainly on Team Martha, but there is... I just don't think Alice is coming from the right place. And if she doesn't get Martha, what what is her purpose? What is she doing with her life? And if that crutch is removed, will she fall? Well, maybe she'll go for that lecturing job that she's changed her mind about. She'll need something. I think you're right. I think everything is hinged. She's She sees herself as... Uh, a capable mother and she's going to prove it and her child needs her mother and that's what she is going to um, get for herself but it's for herself isn't it that's the key word isn't it and um, if she doesn't have something she could well crumble I think you're absolutely right I think you're right um, I saw this from Nick at Check Your Sheds on Twitter he said if this Chris and Alice storyline goes on long enough Martha will be able to make her own mind up. If I was her, I'd opt for adoption. But yeah, Darcy, that was a great, yeah. great call. Thank you so More much. Please, and from the west to the east coast now, and Witherspoon, who's worried that the cricketers might crack as Tracy cracks the whip. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Philippa Quentin and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. So, can you believe it's been nearly four years since my heart attack? Yesterday, I paid my quarterly visit to my cardiologist, and I remain in tip-top health. All right. Which brings us to Tracy, who wears the hats of mother, girlfriend, hotel desk person, hotel cleaner, cricket team captain, and athletic trainer for a bunch of senior citizens. She's putting 65-plus-year-olds through some vigorous paces. Really? Is that wise? 
What if someone falls and breaks their hip or injures their shoulder when throwing the ball? In America, the Usha of the village would have strongly suggested to her that she have each player get a medical clearance or sign a waiver to practice and play. A lawsuit is the last thing Tracy needs. Next, once again, on to Alice and Chris, and this week, Alice and Rory. Dumpty Demers continue to be split on who they are sympathetic toward. I just remind everyone on Facebook to respect each other's opinions. I continue to find Chris whiny and increasingly dependent on his mother's emotional nurturance, as I pointed out a few weeks ago. There was something he said about Alice that supported the theory that he really doesn't want her to recover. That's sad. And Rory, who Alice and all of us know has been up to some dodgy stuff, in my opinion, is treating Alice in a mean-spirited way. To say the least, the Aldrich children have the most complicated of sibling relationships. The Brady Bunch, they ain't. And regarding Alice, look, we know alcoholics can be pretty miserable and nasty people when they're drinking, and Alice certainly was. But why can't we all just root for her ongoing recovery and return to good mental health? Isn't that what we want for everyone with substance abuse problems? Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. With us, been four years since your heart attack. Wow, I remember hearing about it on Dumdy Dum at the time, and well, the whole community worrying about the prognosis. So, really glad to hear that your good health is continuing since that since that happened. But sometimes the arches isn't good for our health. I mean, if Alice was a a friend, a family member, a neighbour, of course I would be rooting for her. But she's, as far as I'm concerned, she's in Ambridge, so she's fair game. And I, as I said earlier, I'm very interested in this word sorry, that you can't just say it and all is okay. Words have power. So I have gone back to the episode when she launched into Rory and I have looked at those words that she used. So she said... You are not even a proper part of this family. You are a mistake, a bastard no one planned or wanted. No one wanted you around. This pathetic little brat sobbing for his dead mummy. You think I was being nice to you? I was trying to shut you up. There's only one person who hurts Jenny, you, just by existing. And for me, those words are too much. If someone... Um, was talking to me and they had an alcohol problem and they said, you know, I don't like you or something like that. That's that's fine. We can move on. But these words are are arrows that are too painful, I think. Um, and I just I personally feel sorry for Rory that he Alice expects it all to be fine. And yet he will remember those words. If it's anything like me, you know, you go round in your mind the words used. And that those are not ones that can just be forgotten or forgiven when the word sorry is then uttered. Yes, it, um, it reminds me of the saying, you know, sticks and stones, but words can never hurt me. And I always think it's a stupid <laughs> saying that. But in so many, many ways, words are even yeah. more hurtful. Well, it depends how big the you know, stone bruise will is, heal. I suppose. Yeah, being metaphoric here, but I mean, you know, a bruise will heal, but you'll still think about what somebody said yeah. to you for years. And I just feel Rory's just switched off now; he's just tapped out of that relationship. Why should he have to pretend? Sure, and actually, when you reread those words, they are brutal. She said those at a yeah. time when he was trying to help her. He was reaching out and, and really trying to help and be compassionate, yeah. and that's what she came back with. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I am of the school that I think actually often drink unlocks the real person, uh, real sentiments. 
and I think there was a lot of truth mm. in there that Alice was just laying out and laying into him. So I'm, I agree with you that just simply saying, sorry, I was drunk is not enough. It isn't enough. Um, but I think what it is is that it's what has puzzled us all is that it's coincided with a complete, well, not complete, but a big personality change in Rory as well. As you said, he was very supportive of Alice. He was lovely with Mia, wasn't he? And now he's come back from the big smoke, a sort of big, flashy, glib, um, snarky young man. And, and it's quite a transformation. Surely, I mean, is it all down to this exchange with Alice? Um, I, I think I'd find it easier if they, if the if the original Rory was still there, but um, mm. eschewing Alice, which I could understand. But it's he's changed in personality. And, and one other thing, Pat and Clary playing cricket. I mean, when has when has Pat ever played cricket? Clary's been single wicket, I grant you, but Pat, yes. Uh, th- this week's cricket practice was entirely different to last week's. I don't know. It was just surreal, wasn't it? Um, I, th- I came up with a really funny pun on Twitter, which I hope you'll laugh about, because I thought maybe Pat had been brought in as the fast bowler. Blank, folks. Absolute blank what? in the face. Fast, fast. bowler? What? Well, Lent, breaking a fast. Oh! You know, she's chocolate yeah, okay. egg. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Got it in the end. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, everyone. Anyway, with a spoon. Thank you for your call. And now we go on to Millie Molly Mandy with an ageless stellar call. Hi, P&Q. Millie Molly Mandy here, calling in about a juicy week in Ambridge. So I reckon we've established that Rory isn't at university and he's got tons of money. So where's he getting it from? So the obvious choice is he's selling drugs, but that just seems too like Freddie's storyline. I sort of like the idea that he might be a gigolo, but that just seems so old-fashioned. I don't think you can get rich as a gigolo anymore. So I'm going with um, he's dealing cryptocurrency, and he's gonna it's going to crash and burn. He's made a bunch of um, imaginary money, and he's spending it on real things, and it's going to crash and burn. But I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. We saw Rory's Edge again and I like the storyline. I think this is really interesting. I always enjoyed the storyline with his mother, Siobhan. She was a fairly ruthless person and she had Brian by the short and curlies. She wasn't, I think, probably not a particularly good person running around with other people's husbands. So great storyline. Hey Dumpty Dummers, my question is, how old is Stella? She's back in the story. I'm excited to hear that. We still haven't heard what her nefarious relationship with Justin is. I wonder, now Justin's come to the fore a bit more, maybe we're going to find out. When I hear her talk to Ruth, I think she's 50. When I hear her talk to Pip, I think she's 30. Anybody know? Have we had any clues about this? Another great week. Love the show. Thank you, P&Q, for everything you do. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Millie, Molly, Mandy, and thank you for your kind mm. comments, as ever. Well, I this morning on the tweet-along, Philippa, I, I clipped up that question that Millie Molly Mandy posed about how old is Stella, because she seems ageless, doesn't she? And I, and I um, laid down the gauntlet to some of our archivists who often help out on Dumpty Dum. I said, come on, you lot. Um, 
What's the answer? And first out of the blocks, as I suspected, was our Leo Horstmeyer, who came up with an extraordinary um, spreadsheet, well, all the answers last week to the um, mm. property uh, queries that uh, I'll call ahead. We have a bit more on that later, actually. Anyway, first out of the blocks, and he says, I don't think we have any idea, really. Would a 30-year-old be experienced enough to have previously managed a farm for Justin and Damara and have sufficient time to build an impressive CV? So even the mighty Leo Horsmeyer is foxed. Uh, Stephen Bowden came in as well because I'd uh, prompted him. He said, we've had a very little personal information about Stella. Even her surname prior has only shown up in the cast list, not in conversation. I think she's late 30s. This is based on her being obviously attracted to Will rather than anything more scientific. So, Millie Molly Mandy, if it's Fox Leo and it's Fox Stephen, we haven't got a clue. Have we, <laughs> what would you say, though? What would your answer be, Quentin? Well, she sounds, I think, uh, mid to late 30s, oh, I think. I think mid 40s. Because she's Ooh. she's been quite pally with Ruth and Ruth is older. Yeah, but she, she's been flirty with some of the men and the women. She wasn't well. flirty with the men. What man has she been? She wasn't flirty with Will. She was asking about looking after dogs. Well, Stephen thinks that was flirty. You don't. Well, I'm never. I was going to pick a fight with you about that, not Stephen. So I'll backtrack very quickly on that one. <laughs> I mean, may I present my case for <laughs> yeah, Stephen? Okay. No, you're backtracking. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, uh, I love the idea that Siobhan had Brian by the short and curly. She certainly mm. did, didn't she? <laughs> um, and, yeah, she comments on Rory's Edge coming back, yeah, uh, which we had a long discussion about just now. But I think it's going to be blunted, as I said before, by Alice seeing through him. I've got a, a question here. So we've got Alice versus Chris and Alice versus Rory. Is it possible for someone to be on Team Alice for one of those and team either Chris or Rory for the other one, because I find myself naturally on team Chris and team Rory, not because I think they're better, but I'm not happy with Alice. But is it possible for someone to choose Alice for one team and another for a different team? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> if it suits you. I mean, to be honest, I am sick of Alice and Chris. I'm absolutely <laughs> sick of the pair of them. I want them to bugger <laughs> off for a long time. I want them to, I want silent scenes, you know, we've had, you know, where it annoys me is that I was looking forward to the sort of the board meeting for the mm. Barrow decision. I thought that had a lot of dramatic potential and that was, as usual, just wrapped up by a reference. Oh, bad luck, Justin, you didn't win. Do you want to be chair? No, thanks. That was it. Um, and we've had... Hours of bleeding Alice and Chris. And a lot of that could just be reported, I think. It's, it's, it's beginning to overwhelm the rest of the drama and other potential storylines. So I, I, I am resentful of them both, Philippa. <laughs> I, I can't stand either of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, thank you so much, <laughs> Let's go to Beth's speculation, who's calling to ask what's making Rory hot and bothered. Hey PNQ, Beth speculation here with another wild speculation. Just going to put it out there. 
Rory's having an illicit affair with his uni professor. And we're going to say that his uni professor is wildly rich because he might be just top of his game. Yeah. Rory, I reckon, has got a sugar daddy with his uni professor. Thoughts, please. Oh, wow. Best speculation. Love this. Yes. So uh, the supplier of cream cakes is um, supplying more things to Rory as well. Uh, That's a very intriguing one. Can't it just be that Rory is doing really well at university and he's invested his student loan cleverly and has made some profit from it and he's doing good things and going to be a great person? Put away your little fairy wings, (laughs) Oh, but they got lights on. No, he's up to no good in that London, Philippa. You've got to accept it. I can't. Just I can't. accept it. I, I, I mean, people have suggested he's uh, become a sex worker or some sort of gigolo, haven't they? But I suppose this is just extending that idea. I hadn't thought he was be having an illicit affair with a very wealthy professor. That makes um, their one-to-one tutorials interesting, I suppose. Um. Who, who who knows, Beth? Uh, uh, it's all going to blow at some stage. But just as Alice gets money from Brian and Jennifer, that's enough for her to not have to work. Surely Rory's getting that as well. What from Brian and Jenny? Yeah, from the he, isn't he another sort of beneficiary of the partnership income? Because he is represented, or he was represented by Ruth, so he has a, uh, a an interest in it where, for where he would get money. You see, so it could be all right. Could be fine. I'm going to put my my fairy wings back on. And okay, fly. put them on. They suit you. They suit you. Yeah. <laughs> off off you. you flutter to the next call. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Beth. Speculation. Love your speculations. Keep them coming. And now we go to Ben in Shanghai. It may be a city in lockdown but it's just a village, really. Hello there from Shanghai. It's Ben calling here where it's day 10 of lockdown. Uh, Everything's closed and we're having to stay inside apart from when we've got to go downstairs to test for COVID. Uh, Food deliveries are almost impossible to arrange, uh, but we are getting food packages from the government, which is helpful. And uh, thankfully, we've got a very productive WeChat group. That's a bit like WhatsApp in our neighbourhood. And there's a real sense of community spirit. Uh, People are swapping things, trading things, generally supporting each other. And uh, you do get a sense, actually, that everywhere is a bit like Ambridge, a bit like a village. Um, We've got forthright bossy organising people. Uh, We've got neighbourhood gossips, um, I've realised in the online chat. Uh, We've got people that like to make food for people. And uh, yeah, it's very much like a a little village here, which is really good. Um, As for the actual real village, though, Ambridge, um, what is going on with Ruri? I think uh, the next dark storyline is going to involve him. And I think whatever it is, is going to be very murky. Uh, where's that money come, coming from? Who does that flat in Bath belong to? And I'm really, really pleased that Alice is on to him as well. That's good. Um, and uh, Grey Gables, um, who is the mysterious Mr. Adil Shah? And why was he booked into the garden suite in Oliver's name? Um, maybe that's a hotel about to go on the market soon. Well, lovely to call in. I'm really enjoying catching up with your podcast and The Archers uh, whilst I'm locked down here. Thankfully, the sun is shining so I can sit next to the window and play it on my speaker. So not only do I get to hear it, but the whole of the neighbourhood does as well. Uh, 
but it's like a little piece of home in the middle of Shanghai. Um, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks, Ben. Um, great to hear from you. So so topical as well. And the idea that um, you're spreading the love of Ambridge around uh, lockdown Shanghai is, is, is a lovely image. And um, we'll hear the fruits of your labours a little later on in the podcast about, about that. But I, I was fascinated to hear your call because I was for about half an hour I've just transfixed on Twitter this morning because there's so much on Twitter about this lockdown in Shanghai and you say you're into day 10 of it and some f- extraordinary video has emerged where uh, people are thrown open their windows in these high-rise blocks and they're just shouting from their windows and wailing and screaming and just making a noise expressing themselves because they're so frustrated about being hemmed in. They're not allowed out at all. They are, according to reports, people are beginning to run out of food and water. He was saying, wasn't he, that they're getting deliveries of food from the government parcels and so forth. Um, One of my favourite films is Blade Runner, and it's Blade Runner-esque because after these thousands of people were wailing from their high-rise buildings, flats, this drone flew over with a flashing light and with a speaker on it, um, announcing, ordering the people b- beneath it to stop wailing, to stop screaming, because they would be spreading the virus. <gasps> Another woman was f- uh, filmed on the street with a loud hailer, uh, ordering people in their apartments not to hug each other as well. They even have... I, I mean, these videos looked authentic. I must qualify, but they did. They have these motorised dogs, OK? <laughs> Robot dogs scampering along the road with speakers on their back, putting out public announcements as well. It is absolutely bizarre. <laughs> it's just madness. But there's almost a collective um, madness amongst the people now mm. that they are, it just underlines the human need for freedom to socialise. And to hear all this wailing from these high-rise flats was just extraordinary this morning. Sorry, I've got on a bit, but I was really... It was very powerful mm. to, to watch. Mm. So I'm delighted you're, you're okay, Ben, uh, uh, and uh, that the that Ambridge, the Archers, is keeping you sane. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Mm. Talk of which, um, yeah, we, we just discussed this, the, the dark storyline that is to emerge from Rory, even though Philippa is clinging on to the vague hope that he's all <laughs> innocent down there in London. Adil Shah, we haven't really spoken about him, have we? Adil Shah. No. Buyer or food critic? What do you reckon, Philippa? Okay, you ready for this one? You ready for my theory on this? Can I go? Prepare yourself. I could just go for a short walk, can I? <laughs> Long lost child. Oh my God, that's, that's wow. Because. That is left I, field. I, <laughs> that's left field. Well, obviously, it's not this idea that Tracy has. Um, and then we're led into the obvious conclusion that it is a buyer for the hotel. And there were signs of it the the table covers that were being used were very low money problems low staff low bookings all of that despite the fact that you know uk hotels seem to be doing incredibly well at the moment as a result of all the lockdowns but putting that to one side i don't know oliver's lost his appetite uh, adil shah didn't sound like someone who is a buyer of hotels because when we've heard those sort of people come in before, they've been quizzing staff on what they do and quite um, picky, negative. He wasn't at all. He didn't know. He thought Freddie was a manager. 
Um, and he just sounded quite nice. So I and, he had an and, awful, and to be a food critic, I don't think he also had an awful lot of luggage as well, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. why, why, why do you have so many? Why do you have so much baggage? That's the baggage you're suggesting, isn't it? Yes. Mm, good link. Yeah, I just mm. think somehow uh, he has discovered that um, Oliver's discovered that he had has a child that he didn't know about, and uh, who with? And this is who knows. I mean, he wasn't mm. married to Caroline for. You know, his whole adult life. Because the impression we've had, isn't it, that he's been very preoccupied, Oliver. Mm. Very grumpy, very abrupt. Unlike Oliver. I mean, Clary's confirmed that. Tracy's confirmed that. They all think he's got this lady friend, of course. Um, so the assumption is that he's, you know, with only, often they only have three covers, don't they, in the restaurant. So business is, is not doing very well. And so he's going to sell up and he's getting on a bit. Long lost son. Wow. Haven't we got enough to be getting on with, Philippa, without this? <laughs> so you're risk. not, well, you're never not jumping up and down? Okay. Well, I, I'm staggered. It never occurred to me. I think, good on you. So what's your vote? If you had to say today what your thought is? I was very boring. I thought, he was, I thought he was a prospective buyer. I, th I think Oliver's had enough. Hmm. But I agree Very with you, he didn't much. really sound like a bite. I mean, somebody, he, somebody like Vince would be more convincing. Mm -hmm. A bit more yes. sort of searching in his questions and a bit less friendly and a bit sort of... He was terribly impressed by everything, wasn't he? <laughs> by all the lovely countryside <laughs> yes. and the fantastic restaurants and the <laughs> rose petals on his bed. <laughs> that was farcical. God, what a stupid... I mean... You'd think Tracy would have learned not to give out car keys anymore. <laughs> um, you'd think she would have learned her lesson after room two. Well, she encouraged yeah. Freddie to do it. And then when it needed to be undone, she said to Freddie, oh, no, that was all you're doing. She she doesn't really change, does she, our Tracy? And they had a little window, as Freddie said, that they could go up and take them yes. take them all away. And they, she just seemed, oh, it's a laugh. It's not a it's not a it's not it's, it's not a fancy woman. It's a chap in a sharp suit. But we'll leave the chocolates out on his pillow. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, who knows? Was, uh, we we certainly straying don't. into farce again, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, there we go. And those are the calls. But you can also send us an email if you prefer. Yes, if you'd rather send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Please do keep them brief, up to a maximum of 250 words. Like the calls, please get your emails in by 12 noon on a Sunday. And remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And so we go from our caller inners to our email inners. And our first email is from Marina with the subject, thanks for the answers. And Marina says, hello, P&Q and all listeners. I've just listened to the 3rd of April episode of Dum De Dum and wanted to say a big thanks to you both and Leo Horsmeyer for answering my questions. I'm sure I will think of some more in the future. Hope this is less than 250 words, Marina. <laughs> it is less than 250 words. Well done. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> yes, if you do have more questions, slightly briefer, please, Marina. But uh, we... Uh, yeah, well, um, yes, we were as impressed by Leo's responses as you were, Marina. C- couldn't believe it. So um, mm. thank goodness for Leo, because we would have been stumped, wouldn't we, Philippa? Yes, we would have been. We were so grateful. But uh, Quentin, prepare yourself, because our second email is from Anon of Ambridge. Thank you for the warning, Philippa. Here we go, thanks. Dear Uncle Quentin and Auntie Philippa, I went to watch the veteran cricket practice and I think I have got it all wrong. There were people playing with an Easter egg, not a cricket ball. Have I been taught the wrong sport at school? Thank you, Anon of Ambridge. (sighs) Well, this one's a real keeper, Anon. I'm afraid you're very gullible. The point is you're making a very silly point which should be battered away into the covers. This isn't your first slip, Anon, and you're pushing the boundary here and either pulling my long stop or certainly our fine legs. Over and over, you've tried to stump us, but we've never bailed. Well, this time we've run out of advice, so please don't bowl us any more of your googlies or get me started on the egg before wicket law. How's that, Anon? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are those all cricket references? Do I say? Well done. Should I be? Should I be uh, um, full of admiration for that incredible? Oh, okay. Sorry. Well done. Well done, Quentin. That was amazing and fantastic and incredible. As as long as Anon appreciates the answer, I don't think um, Anon will. But uh, I, I, I'm reduced to this, Philippa. I'm reduced. (laughs) So using cricketing what? terms to answer this most bizarre, obscure question. Well, you can what? understand. A non of Ambridge has gone along and, and seen Pat and Clary throwing Easter eggs to each other. First of all, it was lovely to hear Clary is alive and well, so that was good, yeah, being was concerned good. about Clary. Yeah. I mean, if cricket involves throwing Easter eggs, then I might be suddenly in. start getting... Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in for that. 
Philippa Hall but, actually plays sport, yeah. Yes, um, a, a miracle could happen. So you you aren't confusing on it. That's not what cricket is. Even me with my very <laughs> limited knowledge of cricket. All I know is how to spell cricket and that's about it. Um, yeah, that's not what cricket is. It was just a moment. So don't worry that you've got confused. And, and uh, um, Quentin's excellent, incredible explanation is one yeah. to dwell on yeah yeah absolutely nothing more to say here Philippa. Oh, thank you for your calls and emails <laughs> we love them do keep calling in now on to dumpty book dum you're aware i host the quick book reviews podcast well i was interviewing author helen paris and we got talking about the importance of the archers for her main character so helen paris who's wonderful joyful book is called Lost Property. Welcome to Dumdy Book Dum. Thank you so much, Philippa. I'm delighted to be here. Let's start with the archers, of course. Let's start with the priorities. I'm sorry. We have to talk about the archers. You've been listening to it for a long time. What are your first memories? Well, you know what? I think I can honestly say that The Archers was the soundtrack to my 70s childhood. In fact, there is absolutely nothing that my mum likes to recall more, even now, like decades later, than the fact that when The Archers would come on every day, my sister and I would immediately both start gleefully just dancing about. And as someone who has lived um, a lot of my life abroad, there are quintessential British things that have always travelled with me. Um, familiars, if you like, that remind me of home. And the arches, like the shipping forecast, is right up there. And it's not just the programme itself, but it's all the memories associated with listening to the programme. So memories of family life, if you like. That's wonderful because you're in Madrid as we're recording this. So you're still overseas. I'm still overseas and I'm still checking in with Ar the archers, absolutely. And in, um, in Last Property, my debut novel, my protagonist is called Dot Watson. And Dot is definitely an archers fan. And actually, the book itself is in a way a love letter to a family relationship. Can you just give us a bit of an elevator pitch for the book? You've introduced us to the wonderful Dot, but yes, just tell us a little bit more about this book. Basically, the elevator pitch is one lost purse, one lost woman, a chance encounter that changes everything. I have always been just fascinated by how, you know, the most everyday object, like a pipe or a handbag, or indeed a small purse, can contain a sort of trace of a life lived. And I think we all have them, don't we? You know, we all have those little objects, those items, those familiars that remind us of the people that we love. Actually, listening to the arches is part of that. It harks back to times past. It's all this comfort that we crave. It's exactly that. I think you listen to the programme and you're listening to the story and you're connecting with the characters and you're following forward. But it also takes you back to the past because it takes you to all those other places and the people that you've been with when you've had that experience, which is exactly my experience. You know, I'd be listening to the archers when I'm living in California, but it's taking me right back to my parents' house in Kent and me and my sister dancing around. So it, I think it, it holds all of those things with it. And I think that's one of the many reasons that that we love it so much. Oh, wonderful. Well, Helen Paris, author of Lost Property, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Philippa. It's all about the parents, isn't it? 
mother's <laughs> knee. That's how they all get sucked in. Um, having said that, I was listening to the omnibus this morning and my wife was briefly in the kitchen and she just looks at me, looks at the radio and said, why do you listen to this nonsense? <gasps> so, yeah, there's still people out there who need to be converted. They do. Yeah, it's not good well, enough. Breaking news. I've just got an- another tweet from Brenda Selwyn, another one of our great archivists, you know, in, as how old is Stella? It's yes. foxing them this. They normally have the answers this lot. She says, Lucy Speed is 45. She's the actor who plays Stella. Lucy Speed is 45. If anything can be inferred from this, my guess is she's about 40, says Brenda. So she's in your ballpark, isn't she? Yeah, well, I said mid 40s. And if Lucy Speed's 45, there you go. Wow. So oh, maybe we're thinking 40, 45 now. But just because the, 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 the actress is 45 doesn't mean she's playing at 45, right? Good point. <laughs> I'm so insightful. <laughs> That's just um, incredible. Newsflash. <laughs> actors <Quentin>. act. <laughs> I think well, well, maybe from... I, I said I said mid to th- late thirties, didn't I? Maybe yes. Yeah. Nudging closer to forty, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So when I there. say mid forties, you take no notice. When Brenda says. Uh, maybe 40 you suddenly take notice Thank yeah you. that's right yes Lovely. yeah these, these are the fonts of all wisdom aren't they these people <laughs> we're quoting yes but as ever you're right as ever you're right philippa yes. no i'm really not no, i'm really not i'm quite happy to accept that anyway now to facebook and we need to say an how do to you to these 29 new members catherine and judith karen and jill valerie and david jane and nettie Renee and Justina. Anne and Bessie. Teresa and Len. Diane and Joanne. Lizzie and John. Jen and Helen. Dot and Julie. Sandra and Sally. Hazel and Leslie. Grace and Angela. And Diane. And I check with Witherspoon who collates these figures every week. And that is a record recruitment in one week, Philippa. 29. Yes, I think we have Caroline Wright to thank for that. Uh, on uh, the <laughs> academic archers, so thank you, Caroline. Your checks in the in the post. So, what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for the roundup with our Stephen. Hello, you two. It has been a busy week in the Dumpty Dum Facebook group with a lot of focus on Chris and Alice, and Alice and Rory, and where Rory is getting his money from. Jonah Titchmarsh was wondering about the advice Alice is getting from her solicitor. It seems a bit haphazard, he noted. On the one hand, she says parents juggling work and childcare as usual and wouldn't necessarily be held against Chris, but then says Alice being a full-time parent could be looked upon favourably. Christine Narramore wasn't impressed. Just heard the episode and they should sack that lawyer. She's got it wrong. Status quo does help, but 50-50 is a strong contender. And she should be encouraging Alice to get back into mediation, with an aim to get both sides to compromise. Kate Lyle was also unhappy. Somebody reassure me. This custody battle is completely bonkers from a legal point of view, isn't it? It doesn't work like this, does it? No, it doesn't, Chris Murray responded. The court will consider what's best for Martha. She has rights. Chris and Alice don't. Matthew Horsepool pointed out that we hadn't heard from Chris's solicitor yet. Chris might be back tonight very angry and confused because his legal advice is that asking for half the assets won't make a difference to the custody battle, Matthew noted. 
If they're trying to educate people about how real divorces work nowadays, having some questionable legal advice, potentially on both sides, is a good plot device. A, for the drama of it. B, because I'm sure some people do believe that's how it works, and so it meets them where they are. And C, because people are more likely to remember something or take it seriously if it went wrong. Turning to Alice and Rory, I want to start with a heartfelt post from Darcy Jorgensen. Hate Rory all you want, but I know the scathing hatred of an older sister who despises you simply for your existence. And it was clear from the responses that Darcy was not alone in her situation. But let's focus on the fictional siblings. Joe Lewis-Brown thinks it's refreshing that Rory is unequivocal towards Alice. And Anne Van Vliet added, There are too many excuses for Alice. She may be an alcoholic, but she is also a beastly person. Julie Delich came to her defence. Alice was very young when Rory arrived. It's only natural that she was jealous of him. She'd been the baby of the family for so long. Those feelings came back when she was drunk. But I think she really wants to be a good sister to him now. He might need all the help he can get when his Bitcoin empire comes crashing down. Life's too short to bear a grudge. So let's talk about that Bitcoin empire or whatever it is. Pam DeLay thinks he's a money mule and linked to an article on the subject. Diane Amich and Lucy Saint think he's a sex worker. Turtok is leading towards online crypto scams. Catherine D. Longson suggests he's running an OnlyFans account. Oh, and Philippa. If you don't know what one of those is, don't Google it. Safer just to ask Quentin. Given all these different opinions, one of the most insightful posts this week came from Turtok, who said, Isn't it interesting how we all listen to the same show, yet interpret it so differently? I guess we all have our own experiences and biases that we bring to any plotline. Makes for great debate here on Dumpty Dum, though. I couldn't have put it better myself. But I can't finish without mentioning the updates we've been getting from Benjamin Kevin who is currently locked down in Shanghai. He's been passing the time listening to the archers and to his neighbour practising on the piano. And of course he decided to teach her a new tune, which he's hoping soon to work up into a dumpty-dum. And on those notes, I'll hand you back to the studio. Thank you, Stephen. And to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group, you'd be very welcome to join us there if you haven't done so already. Now, Ben from Shanghai has just sent us a recording of the full length Dumpty Dum tune, which his neighbour's been working on. And because we have a waiting list for the tune and we wanted to seize on this straight away, we're going to play out today with that wonderful tune. So do listen out for it. And we will, of course, add that to the waiting list for the Dumpty Dum tunes. Yeah, we couldn't resist playing it today, could we? Because it's so topical given the lockdown. Um, You'll also find us, of course, on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. Please try and include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, don't forget that hashtag is your gateway, folks, to the hugely enjoyable tweet-along. It's also worth including at Dumpty Dum in your tweet. That way, more people get to hear about this podcast. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at Quick Book Review. That's with a three, not a W. And you'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. Hello, it's Fry here. No, not that one. And now on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. 
Start off with a bit of a rude one, Philippa. I'm afraid in mm. bronze position, we like a bit of rudeness, don't we? This comes from Let Love Win at All This and Less. Freddie, don't go into business with Vince. It's bad enough he's screwing your mother. We don't want him screwing you too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, very good. Oh, you like that one? Yeah. You like? Wow. wow well, it's, sure. it's not, yeah. Yeah? Yes, I do. I'll, uh, yes. Who knows what's happened to me? Wow, the, 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 uh, the worm has turned, folks. In silver, Rich Cuts at Cuts Rich. Chock is on the pillow and a naked Scotsman under the duvet should do it. It would. Imagine no. They, imagine lucky if, people can't see the face I'm pulling. Imagine if Adil Shah had burst in. <laughs> oh, Jazza. Oh. All starkers. Oh. Oh. Shall we move on to the, 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 the gold tweet of the week? Uh, this is one I actually set up with a tweet I put out this morning, uh, but it elicited a good response. And I said, uh, has this egg rolling nonsense finished yet? With a groany face. To which Kevin West at the Kever replied, they're doing it for the crack. So that wins oh. the goal. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> That's ah. very good. Yes. So those are our, our medalists this week for Tweet of the Week. Don't forget we're on Instagram and there you'll find photos of God Squad Mia and Alex and also Ben in Shanghai. So it's worth checking that out. And that's at Dum De Dum. Do follow us there. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting parents, Lucy B. Freeman and Royfield Bran. So what will happen next week? Will Chris discover that you can set up automatic invoicing using something called a computer? Will the cricket veteran team continue to alternate between one week female and one week male? Very strange. Will someone get hit with an overboiled boiled egg? Watch out, Freddie. And will Ian hire Nora the mediator to help with the Alice versus Rory situation because she was such a help with negotiating the divorce agreement of Chris and Alice, wasn't she? All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a thank you for listening and a bye-bye from me. And I'm off to have a fiddle with that slurry injection system. Bye-bye. we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns